Welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. Uh, Dan and I, after our brief co-hosting spot on the Shout Podcast with our friends uh, Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino, are back with you on our solo show, and um, we have somewhat recovered from the repeated punishment of being a Buffalo Bills fan this time of year, and the, as usual, divisional round uh, departure of our beloved Buffalo Bills at the hands of, again, the hated Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Swift and ever, the whole gang. They came to Orchard Park, they, they did us dirty, and now we're in off-season mode yet again. Um, Dan, are you lamenting the fact that we're already talking about free agency and draft as much as I am? This is more muscle memory for me, JJ, <laughs> at this point. It's repetition. It, it feels natural. It doesn't feel great but it feels natural. Um, and honestly, there's, I am looking forward to this off season because I think it's going to mark potentially a change in roster build philosophy from being in McDermott as opposed to what we've seen in the past. Cause now Josh Allen's contract really kicks in, really takes a big chunk out of the cap. And as a result of that, this Buffalo bills organization is going to have to find more stars in the draft. And this is a very deep draft at a lot of positions in need for the Bills. So I'm hoping this marks sort of a sea change for this this organization and the way they've been building this roster. And uh, you know, as much as anybody else, man, I love playing some man GM. So this time of year, I am ready to create the ultimate fantasy roster for the Bills until salary cap and or draft limitations ultimately kick in. Oh yeah, Madden GM is one of my favorite things that we do on this pod because um it's the only time of the year that we don't have any cold hard facts to to look at it's literally just projecting you know our dreams and wishes for the team and we can be full of hope and and uh, positivity because there's no games being played to prove us wrong and so um we're looking at what what are we going to do bills uh when you build this roster in the offseason looking at it two lengths i think we should we should use the pod in this way um, we should set the stage uh, for the offseason and kind of without talking about maybe individual targets and free agency and things like that, um, with the exception of a few and uh, the, the draft, of course, because so much is going to change before the draft. But rather just what is the what is the status of the roster? That's lens one. And then lens two is what are, what's going to change with the what do we believe will change with the on the field product based on the cap, the roster build and projection of what it's probably going to be when we hit the end of training camp august september um and so i'll start us off here would you want to talk about our pending free agents yeah i think that's a good place to start as any because that's going to dictate a lot of off-season business sure and i've i've got them in um you know i'm going to kind of group them in this way i'm going to group them into three categories the first category is pending free agents that i either don't believe will resign with the team uh, or i I don't want to resign with the team. These are the guys that I'm happy to watch walk, and I don't really care for the Bills to really make any kind of effort to get them back. They are Gabe Davis, wide receiver, Micah Hyde, safety. That's going to hurt Bills Mafia, I know. <laughs> that Those words may hurt. Tim Settle, defensive tackle, Jordan Phillips, defensive line, uh, and Dane Jackson. And it's not that I don't like Dane Jackson. I, I've complained about him. He is a capable uh, starting caliber cornerback who's going to get beat a few times a game he's going to commit a penalty here and there but he he's kind of Levi Wallace for me but I have no interest in the Bills signing him back because I would actually like to see Kyrie Elam get on the field and have them force you know his development a little bit 
Um, but for all those guys, I think it's, you know, thank you for coming. Uh, their market value is a couple million more than I'd be willing to pay. I think Jordan Phillips year over year has has declined in his splash plays and become nothing more than kind of a, a juice guy, which is not on the field play does not help us. Right. And so um, with those those players, Micah Hyde, I think he's probably set to retire. If the market doesn't throw a huge contract at him, he's, he's likely out when he got the stinger um, during the latter half of the season. Uh, it seemed like he was afraid that it was like, you know, the kind of thing, it was a scary injury for him. And I think that that's the time when veteran players start to look at the, the their, you know, time in the league as ending when they start to worry about their life after football. Um, and so I think Mike Hyde might be on the verge of re- retiring. His wife, uh, Amanda, sent something out on Instagram that very much read like, thank you, Bills Mafia, we're, we're done or at least we're done here. Yeah, it was a very heartfelt, very emotional post from the Hides, and it definitely read like definitely the end of Buffalo, but it had tinges of like a a goodbye message to the game writ large. Um, And Hyde, listen, man, we're probably going to do this with Poyer at some point if and when his departure from the team becomes official as well. But it cannot be understated how essential Micah Hyde and Jordan, Jordan Poyer were to opening the door to this recent era of Bill's success. The way they came in and stabilized the spine of that defense, the way they allowed McDermott to really instill his defensive scheme and Frazier to instill their defensive scheme, and the way they led this roster and this team year in and year out, and not just on the field, JJ. I think what often goes unnoticed is we we hear all these reports after the after the the Bills divisional loss that Ed Oliver, defensive captain, doesn't stick around for interviews. Stefan Diggs, offensive captain doesn't stick around for interviews. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, after every single game, stood up there, took accountability for the shortcomings, always shared the the credit for the success of this defensive unit and this team, and they were model leaders on this squad. So if this is indeed the swan song for Micah Hyde and he will not be returning to Buffalo, you know, I agree with you, it hurts, but it's a business decision. All that being said, there should be a lot of gratitude coming towards Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer for sure. Absolutely. And, and Jordan Poyer is under contract, but is one of those players that we are probably, the team's likely going to either ask for a pay cut. It's an easy or, out. Yeah. yeah. Or be forced to cut outright based on his salary. Um, and so that's the first bucket is people that are free agents that I do not expect the Bills to really make a strong effort at and will likely not return to the team. Uh, the second bucket is players I would absolutely love for the Bills to retain as long as it was on reasonable team-friendly deals, but are also unlikely. And that is A.J. Epineza, defensive end, Leonard Floyd, Floyd, defensive end, of course, and Tyrell Dodson. And Dodson's a surprising one for me because if you would have asked me week four of the season if I wanted Tyrell Dodson back as an unrestricted free agent, I'd say no. But he proved throughout the year that with used in an appropriate way and Bobby Babich being elevated to defensive coordinator, I think we could rely on Terrell Dodson being used in a, in a the right way, um, being used in the right way, he can be an effective run-stopping early down defender. And so, and will not break the bank, is not going to be a very expensive player. But I do think there's a possibility that there's teams out there that have a lot of cap space and they're looking, they're hungry for somebody who, you know, he, he showed a lot in the latter half of the season of being that capable run defender and, and was well-graded in PFF and other kind of analytics uh, services. So I think there's a possibility somebody throws a bag of money at him and he does not come back. And then, of course, A.J. Epineza and Le- Leonard Floyd. Um, 
my feelings on Floyd are that he tailed off. He's 32. Uh, so if, you know, the bills aren't able to get him back, he's likely looking for a big time payday because he's at the tail end of his career. And again, it's one of those deals where a team with way more, um, you know, cap capacity might take a contract and send it his way just because he again had double digit sack production for, I think the fourth season in a row. Um, and, did so, you know, on a team where they were not getting anything from Von Miller. Greg Rousseau was hit or miss in pass rush productivity. Ed Oliver was, you know, solid and steady, but didn't show up in the playoffs. You know, there's there's a lot of things there that Leonard Floyd proved that he can be he can create production without the requirement of another piece. Um, but you know, I think that it may hurt his value in the market that the last you know four or five games of the season he was not producing at nearly the same level and likely it could be his age you know dragging around a chest injury at at one point had some lower body stuff going on throughout the season so um what do you think about AJ Epineza i mean i don't i think he's gone but i don't know that he's i don't know that he's a starting bookend you know caliber defensive end for any team in the NFL JJ, this is the hardest free agent for me to read for the Bills. I think the Bills definitely have an interest in keeping him. That's clear. What is less clear to me is what his market value is going to be. He, I agree with you. I don't know that he's got the juice yet to be a a solid starting caliber edge for another unit, but he's only 25. And if you remember, he was highly heralded coming in his draft class here. It was him and Chase Young were the top two pass rushers in that draft class. And I believe that there are going to be some teams that are going to be willing to take a shot on that pedigree and hope that they're catching him as he is ascending into his prime in his mid-20s. You know, if his market value is anything above $10 million, I think the Bills take a pass and they look to address edge in the draft because this is a very, very, very deep edge class coming into this 2024 draft for sure. Um, but I'd like to see him return. He was great, not just in the traditional pass rush game, but also in pass defense game. There's so many of these squads, as we have seen, the Cincinnati's and the Miami's, that look to get the ball out quickly, run these quick screen games, and he's an absolute disruptor off the edge to the QB's throwing side on a lot of those plays. There is a lot of value for someone like that, for a Bills squad that, outside of some of those deflections, really struggles to stop the screen. So I think he's a dude that brings a lot of utility to this defensive scheme. I just don't know how how much money he's going to make realistically on the open market. He could easily be priced out of where the bills can afford him, but ultimately I'd love to see him back. Sure. Yeah. I I would love to see him back, but the money would have to be right. I do not want the Buffalo bills to pay him more than $8 million per year, $10 million per year, but defensive, the defensive end market might drive him up to the 16, 18 level and i think that that's you know that's a, a range that i don't feel comfortable with for his production even though i agree with you he offers a a unique skill set as like kind of a screen killer and um you know uh wide receiver like dump off screen you know is the thing that he shuts down so well and again you're right we do see that in the afc east often um and so yeah with aj Vanessa, that's similar to my feelings i would like to see the bills re-sign him but it has the money has to be right i do not want them to overpay for him Um, and so, you know, that brings me to our next kind of bucket. And these are the, the players who are, um, expiring contracts that I believe 
it's really it's important that the Bills bring back or that at least, you know, if the money's right, they they extend. Uh Daquan Jones, um, who may garner seven million a year. Again, we'll, we love Daquan Jones. I think that it may benefit the Bills in terms of his market um, viability that he was injured for most of the year. So, Because if he kept up his all-pro play that he had in the first four weeks of the season, I believe that he would be good as gone making 12-plus you know, in that defensive interior. I think it's possible they can get him under 10 um, on maybe a one- or two-year deal. I'm not looking for anything more than that because he is 32. Uh, but I do, th- I do love the pairing of Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver in the middle, um, and I think that with additional time to kind of recover from that pectoral tear um, and surgery over the offseason, he could come back in good form. Puna Ford, uh, who's only 28, and I think yeah, as a spot starter offered something um, and really is one of those things. That the only reason he's on my list as a re-sign is because I think they could get him back on a minimum deal, a vet minimum deal, low money. Um, and you know, knows the system could come in and know the system even more than coming in this season, uh, and and that could be additional. Uh, Taylor Rapp, um, who I thought really did well as kind of an in the box um, safety at times, but really showed his better flashes being a deep third defender in that free safety role uh, when Jordan Poyer came down, and he could be had for between five and seven million, I think, per year um, on a couple of year deal. And at least you'd have a little bit of continuity. And that's Taylor Rapp. I think that, you know, we talked before we recorded that the Bills' plan probably is to have one veteran and maybe one rookie safety on the field. I don't think they'd they'd ever go into the season with two rooks because that safety position is so crucial for Sean McDermott and Bobby Badovich's defense. They will need to have kind of a blend of age and experience and then athleticism on the back end. Taylor Rapp could be age and experience in that equation, if especially if Poyer's gone. What do you think about that? No, totally. There's no way that the Bills are going to totally reset the clock at safety. So this, to me, I know wide receiver is probably more crucial for the overall success of the team, but this, to me, is the most fascinating room to watch the Bills rebuild. There are going to be some interesting free agent options, uh, a deep draft class, in this particular position as well. Overall, it's going to be fascinating to see how the Bills approach this. I I think free agency, as it always does, will unlock a lot of the Bills strategy. I agree. I think if we see Rap come back, it's almost a guarantee that Poyer, we probably move on from Poyer and very likely are drafting Poyer's replacement um, in April. Um, there's also a there is also a world where Poyer does come back to this team. Um, they value his veteran leadership. And when you look at a lot of the free agent safeties that are going to be in the Bills wheelhouse and what they can afford, it's a lot of guys that primarily play that box safety role, which is where Poyer has basically been relegated to at at this point in his career. So unless you think one of those guys like a Jeremy Chin, for example, is going to be a massive upgrade in that box role, there is a world where you bring back Poyer and kind of let him tutor, um, you let him tutor the new free safety draft rookie acquisition that the Bills could potentially bring in. Um, I want to go back to the Daquan Jones thing real quick, if you're good with it. Um, Absolutely. Because I think we're I think we're going to depart on this one. You're, as Bean always says, your last game tells you everything that you need to address, tells you everything that you need to know about where your team has fallen short. And with a healthy Ed Oliver and with a healthy Daquan Jones against the Kansas City Chiefs, 
we got zero on the interior as far as run defense and pass rush from Ed Oliver and from Daquan Jones. If you're asking me, do I want to run it back for 17 games with Daquan Jones basically playing our, our nose tackle or playing our, our one tech? Um, the answer is sure. Do I want Daquan? Do I think Daquan Jones is going to get us over the hump and get the interior rush that we need against Creed Humphrey and against Trey Smith and against um, that interior and Joe Tooney, that interior offensive line for the Chiefs? The answer to that is no. I would prefer to see the Bills let Jones walk away if the money is even approaching unreasonable and really tend to this one tech in the draft. It's something they haven't done since they drafted at Oliver. They drafted at Oliver, and you could argue until they got Daquan Jones in here, they never really gave him a proper running partner where he could he could ex excel with his skill set in that 4-3 scheme. Jones is 32, entering his age 33 season, coming off back-to-back -back years where he's been dinged up and severely injured. I think it is finally time for the Bills to address DT, the one tech, in the draft, because it's deep. There's a lot of hog mollies, as we like to say, in this draft that they could take, and I would prefer to see the Bills turn back the clock a little bit of that position in the hopes that they can finally find someone that can help to penetrate that Kansas City interior offensive line. Like they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. There is zero reason for me to think, JJ, that if we bring Daquan Jones back, that interior pass rush will be good against Kansas City because all evidence has been to the contrary. So I would prefer to see the Bills walk away and start over at that position with the bevy of draft capital they've built up this year. Sure. So I'm going to remain departed from you on this on this point because I do think and, and here's why. This is our new Jerry Hughes. Yeah. This is our yes. new Jerry Hughes yeah. debate. We found is, you. We Daquan have found Jones. it. We yeah, have we it. found our new Jerry Hughes. Um, and, and the reason I say it is because, you know, I'll, I'll qualify it. If the Bills are going to use a top four round draft pick on a defensive tackle, on a run stuffing defensive tackle who can line up and, and keep Ed Oliver clean from constant double teams, I am fine with Daquan Jones going. I just don't think that this is the year or this is the draft in which they have the capacity to use that top, you know, top four rounds draft pick on a DT run stuffing DT. And that's a longer developing position in the NFL. I think that people look at it and they, they think, Oh, it's a big guy. Just plug him in the level of technique and difficulty and the, the level of competition at that, you know, at, in the NFL is so much higher than in college that a dominant defensive tackle takes a couple of years of seasoning in order to learn the hand fighting and all those advanced te techniques to really get past somebody like a Joe Tooney. And I think that that's what we saw was probably the best interior defensive uh, interior defender on the market other than um, Chris Jones, Justin Matabuike in Baltimore had a half sack and two tackles of his own in that, in that game against the Chiefs. He didn't do jack squat against that middle three either. And the Baltimore Ravens have the number one defense in the league throughout the course of the season. So, you know, I think that calling, you know, calling Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver's experience or, the, or what they put on tape against the Chiefs a reason not to maintain that pair in the middle is sort of ignoring the fact that nobody in the league was doing anything against those th middle three for the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was kept clean from interior pressure more than almost any quarterback in the league this season for good reason. He has the best three 
guard to guard, uh, you know, trio in the league. And so I know, but, and, and I know that's not, you know, there's no way to get past that, um, without some interior pressure and find ways to find that. And so, um, I just don't know. I think that a top four round DT could replace Daquan Jones on the roster in my mind, but I don't think they're going to spend it because I think they have other more pressing needs. And so I, th- and I do think that it, they'll be able to get him back because of the injury riddled the season. They'll be able to get him back in a more reasonable deal and I expect them to do so. I look forward to this ongoing debate with you this off season about Daquan Jones and the utility of the utility of turning turning the clock back a bit on that position. This is gonna this, this is gonna be a fun one. I'm glad we have found our new Jerry Hughes, sir. Because we 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 agree far too much on the, this pod. The the pod is yeah, the pod is better when I'm calling you names. <laughs> it always is. Yeah. It always yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. So are we ready to talk about some of the bucket of minimum guys? Yeah, because I think this opens an interesting conversation to an another area of need that is not on a lot of bills mafia fan radar but could rear its head very very quickly so let's do that sure yeah so um the following is a list of players who are who are playing on with the team at or near the minimum contract for their veteran status within the league so after a number of accrued seasons in the league um you have a sliding scale of what you must be paid these guys were all kind of at or just above that minimum uh you know salary uh tyler matikevich Trent Sherfield, David Edwards, Damian Harris, running back, Linval Joseph, off the couch, defensive tackle, Shaq Lawson, defensive end, Bills, you know, stalwart for years, on and off, Latavius Murray, uh, the much maligned running back that nobody in Bills Mafia wants to see on the field again um, because he tailed off in the end of the season and had some very poor, you know, um, short yardage situation runs. Uh, Kyle Allen, who the claim, his claim to fame is that he has the same last name as Josh Allen, and that's about it. Um, he also does the QB Room podcast, which I think is is an excellent listen if people are looking for kind of in-depth QB stuff. Uh, Cam Lewis, uh, CB slash safety, uh, and then Ty Johnson running back. Of that group, I I am pleased to watch every single one of them walk away, except for David Edwards. Um, Kyle Allen, again, minimum deal, good friend of Josh Allen. If the if Josh Allen's out of the lineup, the season's basically over anyway. I don't know that we're really looking to um, make any kind of big deal for. We can't make any big deal with the current cap situation uh, the Bills are under um, for a backup quarterback, and it's not critical need anyway. Because again, you know, we ride as far as Josh Allen's willing to go. Cam Lewis, especially in the world where he may transition to safety, um, and a deep third free safety is a position he could he could fulfill. He's a little bit small. He won't ever be a box safety. But I think kind of over the top, you know, ball hawk role is something he could fulfill. And then Ty Johnson, if they can get him back on the vet minimum deal for for his accrued seasons, um, I thought he was a great kind of change up, and he offered a lot of juice in in the run game and in the screen game too, and proved that he was available when Josh Allen needed somebody as an outlet. And then of course David Edwards, guard slash you know de facto tight end for heavy sets. Um, you can do far worse than David Edwards as your swing backup guard. And so if they can get him back on that kind of money, I think we'll probably see this offseason because it's so hard to find quality, you know, um, line play in the league. It's somebody might pick him up on who needs a starter at guard, but we'll see. Any of those you want to comment on? Yeah, Edwards is the one that I that on that list feels like the gotta have it on that group, right? 
Ty Johnson, probably a close second, just because you, you've got to love the the dynamic duo capability that Cook and Johnson showed at the end of last season. Um, and, you know, the Bills were extraordinarily lucky this season, JJ, and that the offensive line was relatively healthy for the entire season. We have seen injuries kind of bite the Bills and all these other position rooms, save for offensive line. So I think you cannot take for granted the fact that Edwards is a depth play and also a play in that jumbo set is someone who came to mean a lot to your offensive scheme. And as a result of that is somebody that you got to hope they can prioritize to get back. Because as deep as this draft is this year, uh, interior offensive line is not one of the areas of strength. And it continues to be a declining area of viability in the draft year after year after year. So if you've got a guy like Edwards, you really want to see him signed um signed to the squad to give you a little stability there and you know jj i know the bills don't have any big pending free agents necessarily at the tackle position but as we talk about health for this team i know we've got alec anderson who's still who's still on the roster heading into next year i think as the bills evaluate their free agency acquisitions here I do think they're going to look at tackle, either in the draft or in free agency. I think they're going to want to tie up David Edwards, and then they're going to want to look not necessarily for the Deion Dawkins of the future, because he just had a monster year. Spencer Brown had a great year after playing really what was his first full healthy season at right tackle. But I think the Bills are going to want to address that tackle room because depth there is still a little bit light. And I believe that for as fortunate as the Bills were to have all those pieces healthy throughout the course of the season, you can never bank on that from year to year, especially at such a high use, high wear and tear position. So I would love to see them re-sign Edwards and then maybe let a Cam Lewis or someone like that go if it means bringing up another capable backup tackle. Sure. Okay. You're willing to sacrifice a Cam Lewis for a backup tackle. I, I am too. I think that that's a, that's a necessary area. Although... I will say Ryan Vandermark, at least in backing up uh, Deion Dawkins, looked very capable. Uh, he did look solid, and so right. and he's a young player with some with some capabilities. And they did, I believe, they did resign him to a future steal. So they did. Yep. Yep. So that's somebody we could we could look to for hopefully that backup. Um, and then one other person of note, we got Quentin Morris. Um, I think he's going to be on the squad. He's an exclusive rights free agent, so they could sign him to a minimum deal, and nobody can really sign him away. Um, because he's still under his four years of accrued seasons. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. The priority position groups to fill through free agency in the draft are, for me, in my money, wide receiver and safety, one, two, and then D-tackle, D-end. Are those the same top four for you, or do you have them different? I've got them relatively the same, but again, I want to sneak tackle in there somewhere. I okay. love the develop of Vandermark. I think Anderson is very solid for the squad as well, but it's such a deep draft at this position. And when you see the teams that are continually successful year after year after year, they're always throwing some sort of level of resource at that position. I don't think it needs to be a top three pick. I would love the order of the first three picks to be some kind of a semblance of wide receiver, safety, and DT. But then after that, I wouldn't feel bad if the Bills threw another day two pick um, or a late round draft pick at offensive tackle either to splash around. And again, what is a very deep class? But yeah, for the most part, JJ, I'm right there with you. Yeah, great. And um, 
I think for me, the the one position that I don't see any help coming in free agency is wide receiver. The market for veteran wide receivers is too hot for the Bills to find any meaningful contributor that would actually get on the field and you know challenge Stefan Diggs for Diggs for snaps. Um, that I feel like that has to come in the top two or three rounds of the draft. Yeah. And I'd like two. I'd like two wide receivers in the top four rounds. Oh, interesting. I I'd I like love, them to double dip. I love the double dip too. But I mean, if it comes in rounds five, five or six, I'm cool with that too. Like, what was Tank Dell this year? Was Tank three, Dell? He was, a he was a oh, third. Oh no, was round. he five? I think was Nico. Col- I think Nico Collins was the third round pick, right? Uh, Puka Nakua was a fifth. Yeah, Pu- I mean, so that's the thing. Give man. me a Puka Nakua. I've said this for. It, he- forever oh yeah absolutely he was your guy last year he was you my my that. draft crush in the wide receiver room yeah yeah he was your dude man and and you nailed that one um i listen i love the idea of a double dip what i don't want to see the bills do though is put off an area of eminent need right in order to do that and it is crazy because you are so right that the wide receiver market it feels like it is off balance a little bit. Like there are guys getting paid good money that maybe aren't necessarily worth that contract at the same time where this is yet another year where we we have an exceptionally deep wide receiver class coming in too. And not just a lot of the small slot guys that we saw last year, but guys that can legitimately for size and speed metrics play on the outside. It's interesting that teams are giving 13 million potentially to a Gabe Davis or 10 million to a Darnell Mooney when you can go into this year's draft and get a Keon Coleman for a, for a late first round pick potentially. Um, and he brings the same utility without the, with the upside of an affordable contract. It's interesting how teams are approaching that for sure, but you're absolutely right. Unless it is such a favorable deal, like unless Kelvin Ridley wants to take, you know, wants to take a very Buffalo friendly deal, guys like that are simply not coming to the squad. So it's going to have to be in it's going to have to be in the draft. And JJ, let this be the year where the Bills finally go wide receiver in round 1 for our oh Lord and gosh. Savior Josh Allen. Yeah. Let this be the year finally. There are some really good ones. I, I gave some on the Shout podcast, but there's there's some guys. One I didn't mention on the Shout podcast, but I have recently been watching some of his like college tape. Uh, Lad McConkey. Have you seen this guy? He's yes, blowing absolutely. up the senior bowl right now. Oh yeah. Oh, um, God. I love the senior he, bowl, man. Yeah. I love all the news bits that come out of there. Lad McConkey to me is Christian McCaffrey light because just the way he moves, like he's this like six foot tall, 185 pounds. So he's not a huge guy, but he's incredibly fast in every direction, both in deep speed and change of direction. I just don't, I think the problem I have with him for the Bills in the first round, because he's probably going to go in the first and maybe top of the second. Probably have with him. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, yeah, okay, interesting. That, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that more. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that as we go on. But um, when I, but this is kind of leading me to another point. Whomever the Bills wide receiver is, I think they have to, and this is going to be a, kind of a dig at Joe Brady, I think they have to find a talent that's scheme proof. Because Ooh. I don't, I, I think Joe Brady is a solid offensive coordinator. I've liked what he can do. I'm really excited to see what stamps he can put on this offense with his own flavor in the offseason to build into next year. Um, but what we saw was he had a talent in Stefan Diggs. He had a talent in Khalil Shakur. He had a talent in Dalton Kincaid that I think are all talented, but they're not ex- explosive to the point where they're scheme proof. 
um, talents where they're going to produce no matter what kind of play design you put up for them. And I think that that's a lot of what suffered in some of the lulls for the offense late in the season was they didn't have somebody who's like this explosive talent who you look at them and you're just like, no matter what route he's running, he's going to be open, right? Like it's, and it doesn't have to be schemed that way either. Like there doesn't have to be a rub route involved. It's just going to be, he's always going to have separation. And so I think that that's really what they're looking for. And that's sort of what I see um, from McConkie is a way that he is explosive in every direction. And it's sort of like he makes himself available. He's like peak of his career, Cole Beasley, when it comes to finding soft spots, but a bigger and better after the catch route runner. You don't think there's already, though, you don't think he brings like a duplicated skill set with Shakir and with Kincaid? Because like we we have zone beaters yes. and McConkie is a big time zone beater. I mean, we need man beaters, that's, you know. But I think he's got man beat. That's you think that's so? what I mean, though. Yeah, I think that's the thing for him is that he he can offer the same skill set that we've proven we can utilize with Shakir and Kikaid, but has the extra layer of juice. Shakir does not have explosive short area speed, um, and that's that's what I think that I'm looking for is somebody with explosive short area short area quickness and speed because that's how you beat man. Is you have to have somebody who's going to hit the top of their break and move in some direction that nobody can stay with them because Josh Allen has the gun to zip a ball onto a spot anywhere. If he trusts that the player, once they hit the top of the break, is going to shake any coverage they have on them. Yeah, that's fascinating. I have not yet, not yet gotten into my, my film bag with a lot of these, uh, these wide receiver candidates here, but McConkie is definitely one I'm going to keep an eye on there too. There's just, it's an embarrassment of riches in this draft. Like you've got, Mitchell and Worthy, the two kids coming out of Texas who are probably going to go in the top half of the second round, if not the first round. Um, you've got Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Xavier Leggett, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I He's love that. He's very good. He is very good. And again, you've got a guy like Keon Coleman who I've seen a lot of Bills, like fawn, Bills fans fawning after. He feels like a dude because of his size, catch radius, uh, body control, route running abilities. He feels like a dude who's going to go earlier on. Yeah. Like... If he is available for like a Cincinnati who might be losing both Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, he is that immediate 50, 50 ball guy replacement for Joe, Joe Burrow that they covet so much. And that's in that scheme. So I don't think Coleman falls, but yeah, Lad McConkey out of Georgia, six foot one eighty five, I think six foot one eighty five. Yeah, right. So he's, he's got strong, like Wes Welker vibes. You yes. know, when you watch yes. it, when you watch a short Edelman, Welker, yeah. Edelman, Welker, Beasley, but with a little bit more, with more explosiveness than any of those guys. Exactly. He's yeah. like a, he would be like a second round version of JSN coming out yeah. last year. Right. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's some players. I, and, and the other thing I want to see for the bills is like either somebody who's an absolute explosive talent in terms of short area quickness and man beating ability or somebody who's just a giant monster. Because, like, I, I just, you know, you don't see... There's nobody in the Bills receiving room other than Justin Shorter above 6'3". And, you know, there are some options coming out in this draft who are, like, the size-speed guys who have the super, you know, um, long speed, very tall, great at the catch point, great body control. Um, and that's something that I think Josh Allen would would utilize. It's interesting though because the Bills started that way, right? Like that after they drafted Josh Allen, they're like, "We're just gonna get a bunch of big body receivers because they need wide catch radiuses, and wherever he puts it, they're gonna grab right. it." It did not go well because the coverage was always there, and he was throwing picks everywhere. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of it's gonna be interesting, and that's why 
that's why, like I said when we started the pod, I love off-season Madden GM time, because it's all full of hope. Everything is possible. The build, it, the build building a juggernaut is totally on the table. Totally on the table. I think the only thing that is truly out of their ability is to trade up enough cap- capital to get Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. Which would be a dream, right? Like, it, <laughs> I think it's a, in their ability. It's just the price would be so obscene. It would be like, all right, we're going to you know pay Stefan Diggs' salary and trade him plus our first round pick for the next three years to take a top three you know spot. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's and it, and it would have to be a top. Th- it would have to be in the top three. Yeah, because right? there's absolutely. no there's no guarantee yet that Chicago goes QB. Um, yeah. even though it looks like that from all the all rumblings they're going to, um, you've got Washington who almost definitely goes QB, and then I I don't know I don't know what New England's going to do. Like three seems high for a guy like Jaden Daniels if he is the only one left on the board at that point. So, but New England might reach for him at that point and be very happy with the Heisman winner or they could draft or they could go sign Jacoby Brissett draft Marvin Harrison there and and call it good but yeah yeah it just, it seems unrealistic the Bills get that high to get a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. but lots of other options on the oh, table oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure well and that's the thing too is the the thing that you know most draft pundits have been talking about for years now is that some of the most you know exciting talents young talents in the in the wide receiver uh, field in the NFL are second and third round picks. You know, there have been a lot of draft busts in that first round um, in the wide receiver, you know, as, sure. as far as wide receivers goes. And so I think that, you know, that's why the double dip is so interesting to me. It, maybe you spend your first on the best defensive tackle on the board and then you go two and four, you know, with wide receivers. And I, I think that could be possible too. Oh yeah. I mean, some Bill's, Bill's mafia social media will be unbearable if that's the direction <laughs> we go. If yeah. defenses, we make yet another defensive first another round Another defensive lineman, yeah. Yeah, but I yep. mean, at that point, you you got to go with best well, player available. Right. Well, and there's a reason that that happens. It's because the guys who have the body and the athleticism combo to do that are not, they don't exist in the third round. They just, they're gone. Like, And that's on the offensive and defensive line. That's why trenches are drafted so highly. It's because you cannot get athletes at the size you need them to be at in order to compete at the NFL, yeah. unless you go high. That's why people are always splashing around in the trenches with yep. the, with one of their first three picks year after year, even if it's not a pressing need. Yeah, because yeah, you never oh, for sure. want, want, you're want, always one injury away from it being a pressing need. I've got, I've got uh, two quick notes. I think, I think we're wrapping up here because we're going to, you know, we'll get deeper into free agency as we go. Um, uh, two quick notes. One, before we started the season, before that Jets Monday night game, I um I talked about Dalton Kincaid breaking the all tight end rookie records, and I was wrong. He uh he broke, you know, the highest was thirty five in nineteen sixty two by Ernie Warlick yep. as far as tight end receivings. Uh, Kincaid got seventy three receptions, crushed that one. Uh, highest yardage was four hundred eighty two again. Ernie Warlick, Kincaid went for six seventy three, crushed that one. Yep. But something about our rookie tight ends, two touchdowns. That's it. That's all they get. Um, and, and so he tied that one. So he didn't beat all of them. Um, I still believe I'm behind in our bourbon bets by two bottles. I think I owe you two bottles, but you I've do. come back. I've come back by one bottle and I would propose that I still send you two and maybe you send me one and we actually make that happen. Um, just cause it's fun to buy bourbon for people. It because is fun our, to buy bourbon. Our, our preseason bourbon bet for this season, you epically failed. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> uh, 
Do I? Did I roll with the Ed Oliver thing again? He'd lead the team no. in sacks. No, this he came this, close. Okay, you had a couple predictions. So yeah. these were not bourbon based, but your predictions were Greg Rousseau over ten and a half sacks. Oh god! But everybody had that. Yeah, that, yeah. And then he he just you, failed again. <laughs> you had James Cook over eleven and a half total TDs. Um, oh which he god! What was did I did not. He did not get, and no, I think that you probably were right on the money betting he would be a focal point of the offense. It's just that when they got down in the red area, he was never the target. He was not running him in. It was usually a short yardage back or Josh Allen. Uh, and then you had Diggs and Davis both have a thousand yard seasons. And so you, you missed on Davis hard. The, but, this, this is probably on record my worst season yeah. of preseason predictions in a really long time. But mine, mine were also bad. I had Greg Rousseau over 10 sacks. I had the Bills Chiefs game in November ultimately decides the number one seed in the AFC. That wasn't true. Um, I had Gabe Davis leads the team in reception TDs. Not true. <laughs> right? Like I I whiffed on all I whiffed on three and then half whiffed on the Kincaid breaks all TE rookie records because he just missed the touchdown once. Right. Um, but the bourbon bet was you bet the Patriots were number two in the AFC East on oh. offensive DVOA behind the oh, Bills. I forgot about that. I zigged and when everyone else I zagged. <laughs> and I bet that the Patriots are fourth, dead last in offensive DVOA, which they were. So, Congratulations on thank that you. one. Oh, yes. God. Oh, God. That, that is terrible. Talk about looking <laughs> in a mirror and just being utterly disappointed with what you see. <laughs> Dear Lord, man. All right. God, what was I... I, I but I was buying, in fairness to me, the preseason hype train coming yes. out of Patriots camp. Yes. Jones looked good. Callahan yep. looked like he had fixed whatever the hell was going on, right? Like, and their offensive line, if healthy, was going to be okay. JJ, do you know how bad the offensive line play in the AFC was this year? AFC East, the Buffalo yeah. Bills and pass pass block win rate were six overall this year. Top 10, right? Sure. And I think we can all agree they passed the eye test with that too. 30, 31, and 32. Whoa. Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. Wow. Pass block win rate in respective order. Right. Dang. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. I, I mean, yeah, that, I would I presume they were all bottom third, but I would never bottom imagine that they were the bottom three teams. And, pa and pass well, block win rate. Terrible. Uh, let's hope that, uh, you know, the Dolphins aren't the Dolphins are in cap jail too, so they might not have the money needed to fix any of their tackles or anything. Um similarly, you know, the Jets have some 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 cap room. The the New England Patriots are completely rich with cap right now. So they're it's likely they could fix it in one offseason. They probably could. And my guess is they're gonna make it a priority yes. for whatever young I mean, they just saw what happened to Bryce Young in Carolina. They're gonna want to fix the offensive line. Before they put, you know, inevitably in a rookie starter back there. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right, JJ. I think we have set a pretty a pretty neat table for the offseason. We've identified the positions of need. And now we're going to break out more thoroughly pod by pod and talk about each of these position areas from a free agency and draft standpoint. We're also going to bring in our friends of the pod, not friends of the Bills, our friends who are fans of AFC East rival squads on the pod to give their takes on what they feel like their squads need to do in order to challenge the Bills and keep them from winning a fifth consecutive AFC East championship. So we got a lot of great offseason potting to do, JJ. And of course, we still have the Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks, which will be a miserable, heart-wrenching experience yet again. But until then... Like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, and as always, go Bills. Go Bills.